You're listening to the Rob Review Podcast. Evan Rob and Laura Rob share their thoughts and opinions on teaching, learning, and leadership. And now, the Rob Review Podcast with Evan and Laura. This is Evan Rob, and I'm with Laura Rob, and this is the Rob Review Podcast. Today we're talking about instructional reading. And Laura, last time when we talked about reading, you talked about independent reading, and today you're going to be talking about instructional reading and its place in elementary school and into middle school. Correct. Um, The difference, one big difference between independent reading and instructional reading is that instructional reading always happens at school. Independent reading happens at school, but also we hope students will read at home. You know, the, um, and we want to clarify for our listeners, one of the things that you talk about a lot through m- the many books that you have written uh, and also your speaking engagements is that three types of reading can occur within an elementary and middle school classroom. Read aloud, independent reading, and instructional reading. And of course, today we're talking about instructional reading, and we want to clarify for our readers that instructional reading, for our listeners, instructional reading is a really big topic and way too big for us to cover within a 10-minute podcast. So our goal today is just to share a few thoughts on instructional reading and hopefully give some ideas on how it can impact your classroom. To begin with, um, there are basically two kinds of instructional reading that reach all students. One is guided reading, small homogeneous groups. The other is what I call differentiated uh, instruction where every child is in a different book around a genre. Let me start with. Oh. Let's start with let, let's start with guided reading, and then from there we'll we'll move into the middle school environment for instructional reading in the middle school. Guided reading works when you have a large block of time, which most elementary uh, and middle grade uh, teachers have. The reason you need a large block of time is teachers need to meet with these small groups of students at least four times a week to make progress. A typical guided reading lesson is around a book that meets the instructional needs of a small group of students. While the teacher works with those students, the others in the class are doing meaningful work that deals with reading. It could be doing some journal responses. It could be writing a blog. It also could be independent reading. The important thing about seat work, as it's called by teachers, is that students are reading while the teacher is working with a group. You know, I think it's a really good point that you bring up because many middle schools, you know, when I was principal back in the late 1990s, when schools were moving from using a textbook in an English classroom to being using more novel-based instruction, a lot of schools move to having one novel for the entire class. So the classic thing, and, and, and I love the book Tuck Everlasting, it's a wonderful book, but many middle school classrooms all across America were doing Tuck Everlasting, typically at sixth grade. It's a great book, but not all the students could read Tuck Everlasting, and there were some students that were above in terms of their instructional reading ability uh, of that book. That kind of one text for all really hurts the kids who are above because they're never being stretched. They're always reading at their independent level. 
But the group where it really is quite harmful are the children who are reading below the level of that book. They're not reading and they go backwards. We know that in order to improve in reading, you need to have instructional reading and independent reading. Wide range of reading, students need choice. With instructional reading and guided reading, choice sometimes is difficult because teachers have a limited amount of books, but they need to explain this to the students. The other point with guided reading is flexible grouping, that we don't keep students in one group all year long the way the basal programs do. We group them according to needs. If, if students are having difficulty inferring, then we gather a group and find a text they can work on where all children have access to that text. And what it is the priority is teaching them how to find unstated meanings or implied meanings in a text, which is what making inferences is all about. Laura, that really, that, that helps clarify in terms of how kids can be grouped within a classroom. I love the idea of flexible grouping. I want to go back to something that you said because a few moments ago you talked about the disadvantages to students who could not read the novel if it was a whole class novel. And as we know in many classrooms that was leveled out by teachers by reading the novel out loud, which could be very entertaining to kids and kids who are auditory learners could certainly gather something from the book, but I think you would probably agree with me that they are not learning how to read better if they are listening to read alouds. Not only are they not learning how to read better, but we have no guarantee that they're really listening. The other part of that is there are some teachers believe that if they read aloud and they make the students follow along, that they will learn to be better readers. Well, if a text is two to four years below your instructional reading level, you really are not able to follow along and learn. In order to become a better reader, the student has to read and be engaged, and the reading has to be relevant. So one book for all doesn't work. One program or script doesn't work because what happens is it's more about the book than about the children and their specific needs. Laura, this question I'm going to ask you now was not one of the discussion questions that we spoke about before we we, we did this podcast today, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway, and, and it has to do with your opinion on round-robin reading or popcorn reading. A lot of times when novels have been done in classrooms, the teacher will have kids go around the room and they can read out loud and call on another student. And I'm guessing you're going to tell me that that's not a good idea, um, but I'd also like your opinion on how those, how those could fit in if kids are in different groups within a classroom. So if you have a group where kids are grouped based off of their instructional reading level, should they be popcorn reading in a small group also? Let's get one thing straight. Popcorn and round-robin reading have nothing to do with reading instruction. They're time fillers. They do something that we know is very difficult and I feel harmful to students. They're reading a text that they are unfamiliar with, which makes fluency issues uh, can even worse than if a child has a fluency problem. It is something that teachers do because they did it, because it's a time filler, but that's not what makes someone a better reader. To become a better reader, we need to teach kids how to infer, how to analyze literature, how to connect texts, um, how to be creative in uh, understanding characters' motivations and decisions. 
Reading is a problem-solving, complex, instructional move. Popcorn reading is an oversimplified, non-complex reading move and doesn't belong in any classroom. Laura, I did have an additional question on popcorn reading, but I will presume for all of our listeners that you have made your opinion rather clear, so we can move on to the next question. I thank you for your feedback on that. Approximately how long should the instructional reading component be within an upper elementary or middle school classroom? In in elementary and primary grades, teachers usually have 120 to 160 minutes to teach reading and writing every day. That gives them a lot of flexibility with uh, meeting with at least three groups a day. Once you get into grades six, seven, and eight, time frames become different. Either schools are on block scheduling, so they're not meeting every day, or they have 42 to 45 minute periods. Neither one of those schedules really can support guided reading to the point where teachers can meet with students enough. So I have developed a means of instruction where we organize a unit around a genre, like biography, and a theme. For example, with biography, my favorite theme is obstacles. What obstacles did a person face? Then we give students choice within their instructional reading level, and they choose a book in that genre. So if I have 25 or 35 students, I can have each one of them reading a different biography. We chunk books. We have them read every two to four chapters. Longer books, uh, usually read by more proficient readers, They can cover more chapters at a time, so we can kind of keep them abreast of each other. There's so much to talk about. You can talk about genre structure. You can talk about obstacles the person faced. You can use literary elements, protagonist, antagonist, theme, climax, setting. Laura, we're going to go into a lot more detail with all of these interesting ways of looking at instructional reading, and I know we haven't even touched on something that you speak a lot about and you've written about, which is before, during, and after reading strategies. But basically to recap, you've shared with us three types of reading, independent reading, instructional reading, and the guided read aloud. We're going to be talking about the read aloud in a podcast coming up very, very soon, and that's exciting. You've also shared with us that instructional reading is not one book for everyone, that instructional reading is not a textbook, where students move through a story and answer the questions at the back of the story. But that instructional reading is dynamic, and it is a purposeful part of classroom instruction at elementary grades, and today we're talking elementary and into the middle grades, where students learn specific strategies and specific skills in books that, although they may be themed together, are geared at their instructional reading level. That's the only way, Evan, that students can make progress. We have students reading at their instructional level, which is a stretch, a stretch with the concepts of a book, with the syntax, with vocabulary. And then we have them practicing what they're learning in instruction in their independent reading. And when we have all three elements working in concert, that's when we can see two years of progress in one school year with each student. And for me, that should be the goal of every teacher 
in this country. Laura, that, that's fantastic. And we're going to be having many more podcasts on reading. Reading is a very hot topic all across the country. It's certainly something that the readers of our blog give us a lot of positive feedback on. I know they love your articles on reading and your insights into reading. So I thank you for spending some time with me today to share some wisdom on reading in the elementary schools and upper and into the middle school and look forward to talking with you again very shortly. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed the Rob Review podcast. Check out our blogs at the robreviewblog.com and tell a friend. Thanks again and see you next time.